0: Gosh, it feels like only a year ago that venture capitalists everywhere were telling us it's time to step on the gas, spend, 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 that there was a massive opportunity to be had so you should raise and burn and raise and burn. Today, there's a relentless message coming from every VC who's old enough to own their very own substack, and it is cut and raise and cut and raise, and when you're raising, raise money for me. So rather than be yet another bad buzz message, of which you can get so much on Twitter, we want it to be practical. It's May 2022. This is a slowdown. And that means something for product teams. So let's talk about what they do, what you should do. And let's get into it. This is Intercom and Product Episode 17. I'm joined by our Chief Product Officer, Mr. Paul Adams. Paul, how are you today? I'm good, Des. How are you? As good as can be in the tech apocalypse of 2022. Now, we agreed we'd try and keep this non-reactionary and upbeat, but at the same time, hopefully interesting and relevant to the folks who listen. So what sort of things change when the world falls apart from venture capitalist-backed B2B SaaS startup stock point of view?
1: Yeah, you and I are lucky or unlucky enough to have seen this before. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast and work in product teams and companies around the world you know, the last decade has been like this insane kind of bull market and they haven't seen a thing like this. Even with the pandemic, obviously the pandemic was challenging in a whole bunch of ways, but it wasn't the same as this big, fast economic slowdown. And so there are absolutely practical things that people can think about. For example, some of the things that we, we can cover today, changing your roadmap, clearly the roadmap you had two months ago can't possibly be the same roadmap you should have now. Changing your mindset, really important. I think people need to change how they work. Set a vision for the far side of this. Like we're only beginning this slowdown. Who knows how it will last? But it will end for sure, guaranteed. And what's going to happen the other side? And then managing morale is a big thing too that is challenging at times during
0: these things. Cool. Let's get into it. Roadmap. I mean, that's obviously like, you know, ground truth for most product teams. What are you going to need to change? Like, so, you know, let's assume the scenario is, as discussed, hiring is slowing down. You probably aren't going to get all the headcount approved that you did. Maybe you won't won't get some backfills and maybe in some extremely bad scenarios, you might be laying people off. But let's just assume both the world has changed and you don't have the full team you thought you were going to have.
1: So yeah, I think there's a few variables here.
0: One is the one you mentioned. So
1: for most companies, there are many companies anyway. They're slowing hiring. So what that means is, up until a few months ago, they were raising cash or like had plenty of cash to spend, and in many cases had raised the cash to, to hire people and hire more people. And now that is slowing down because their growth is slowing or their projected growth is slowing. And so, and you can see this publicly, like you see companies on Twitter and their their comms around slowing hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many companies won't kill hiring, some will. Uh, many won't have layoffs, some will. But many, many will slow hiring. And so all the things that are on your roadmap, I assume for most companies, are tied to teams and people. And so that's that's the first. You've got the
0: robot PMs in just yet.
1: <laughs> you literally do not have the people. And so, okay. and so obviously the dumbest thing to do that I don't anyone in, in the right mind would do is ask the people you already have to do all the things the new people were going to do as well, so you just don't have the capacity. So that's number one, and that's not just simply a hey, let's let's not do the things the new people were going to do because right. some of the things the new people were going to do might be more important than the things the existing people are yeah. planning to do. And yeah, so you like
0: need a zero to one project might be worth a lot more to the company. And bear in mind, like a lot of these, like the hiring slowdowns and all, it's all tied to like extending runway to the next round, basically right. for for most startups or like to to whatever, but like. So like oftentimes a zero to one or at least something new will actually do more value for a business done, like, you know, whatever, like, you know, old feature version 28, which is what a current team might be working on. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. I, I think there's other things that are changing too, though. Uh, so for example, one thing that's probably changing right in front of all of us is that our customers mindset is changing. Mm-hmm. And So the things, you know, if you did like a whole bunch of research interviews six months ago, that led to the insight that led to the roadmap item you have today that might be different now if you interview those same people and ask them the same questions you might get different answers yeah and that's 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 something that's like a subtlety that is easily lost oh hey the the insights and data that drove us to prioritize these things may no longer apply
0: exactly they expired like there's, there's some multiverse where they're still true but today here and now like uh, the aspirations and the ambitions and your customers' roadmaps and their hopes and dreams and their financial forecasts, they're revising all of them, and you may or may not be in it now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same for consumer software. You know, if you're selling like B2C, you're selling, you know, same. Consumers are changing. Consumer appetite will change. If we do end up in a recession, people have less money to spend and will reprioritize how they spend that money. And so I think for anyone, one good thing to do is just take a long, hard look at your roadmap and say, are these are the things that led us to prioritize these projects still true today?
0: Yeah, and, and like the mindset shift you should assume customers are going through is, is like the way I characterize it is like the move from a why not mindset as in let's give this a try into like a why mindset. Why should we do this? Or from like aspirational buying, which is like, imagine how cool this could be if it works, to very functional buying, which is like, we're only interested in things that have like you know a nearly direct like one to one causation with like increase in revenue or decrease in costs. So it's very functional buying, or in the old like Fred Wilson term, it's like for, the moving from buying vitamins to only buying painkillers. And because of that, when you look at all the new stuff you're doing, you should like you know in, in a sort of time frame that makes sense, you should think about which of these things will actually matter and change the posture of your business in a good way. You yeah. you probably need to prioritize you uh, reprioritize and replan in a sense
1: yeah yeah something something you said the other day when we were talking about this inside intercom uh, stuck at me as that it, it was a great analogy where uh, you know over the last few years, and again for many people the you know this might be the majority of your career so far you're you're operating in this growing market, your business is probably trying to expand the market, and the kind of there's a wide open road, and you're driving and it's just you can see far into the future and you're kind of focused on the long term and eyes on the horizon versus what you described as to me as, you know, driving in the middle of the night on a windy road that you don't know. And suddenly, you're like, you're just not driving as fast and you're not thinking the same way.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. you're looking at corners going, I just need to get around this corner and then I'll deal with the next thing or whatever. And I think there's a horizon thing there. Like, for what I've like folks who are in really early startups and, and are listening, this is their life normally. Like, if you recall, Paul, back in like, in our Series A days, like 2013 or so, it was very much like, can we make the year? you know because if we didn't we were dead you know like there was like you know so there there was that sort of lingering existentialism that kind of governed things which which definitely as you recall provides like a a sharpening focus to what we do and i think i think like that focus or that that mindset has to come back now the the difference is and this is the point you made to me like if you just focus on sure things in the short term it's a sure thing you'll have a short term you know you Mm -hmm. actually have to have a plan for what comes next and you, you you liken this to the horizon planning that you do
1: yeah, so when we've mentioned this in the podcast before, we use Horizon, Horizon 1, 2, 3, Horizon Planning. I don't know if it was McKinsey or who first came up with this thing, but somebody has paid a lot of money per hour for yeah, sure. Yeah, it sounds like something a consulting firm would do. Uh, but we have we found it helpful uh, and we use it in, in our own kind of specific way. But like Horizon 1 is kind of the next 12 months, you know, optimizing our current business. And Horizon 2 is further out than that. You know, for us, it's anywhere from kind of 12, 18 out to 36 months, kind of two to three years out. which is more about thinking about new types of opportunities, expanding our business, expanding our strategy. And obviously both of these time horizons matter. But I think depending on where you are as a company and depending on how things are externally in the markets, you can focus more of your resources on one versus the other. Yeah. And I think one thing that a lot of companies should think about doing is pulling more people onto Horizon One. Yeah. Now, what the, the, obviously what's important there is you don't lose sight of horizon two you're still yeah. planning for the long term you're still making investments today that you won't see a return on for a year or multiple years but that you think are strategically important but i think horizon one is now suddenly in like sharp focus yeah and like you said there's there's that getting back to that for bigger companies there's a refocusing there that that's a little bit more like the survival mindset we would have had in the early days
0: one piece that i often think about there is like it's when we say prioritize, like as in you might want to prioritize certain things, everyone thinks they know what that means, but I think everyone walks away with a different interpretation. So like if I could tell you to prioritize the list of five things, you might say, all right, well, three, one, two, four, five, that's my priorities. That's one way to think about it, but that's really just ordering. It doesn't give any sense of magnitude of like how important is is the top item versus the bottom item. So what I've taken to sort of framing lately has been more um, like prioritize it to a point of certainty is kind of the phrase I've used a bit, which basically means like, give it enough resources until you think it's really improbable that it won't get done, you know, versus saying, hey, like there's five things, we'll we'll, we'll split our resources 20% each, but just to be clear, that's number one. Like when we say prioritize, what we really mean is resource it to a point of certainty. So when we say prioritize horizon one, what we mean is make sure that you get through the next period so that there are rewards to reap in the far beyond in a sense.
1: A phrase you and I have been using a lot internally here is, um, you know, what's the bang for buck? Yeah. Like I, I was kind of talking to my team about this and we kind of like whiteboarded a little formula, which is a combination of how important is this thing to our customers? Mm-hmm. And then how sure are we? What's our confidence level in the idea that it is important? I.e. should we go and do more work to increase our confidence that it's important? And then what's our confidence and our ability to execute against it? Yeah. Uh, actually, the third thing is the outcome. Hey, how, you know, what's the outcome we'll get? So, how important is it to customers? What's the business outcome for us? And how confident are we that we can execute it well?
0: Yeah, and, and then and then the timing is just the how long does it take? Is just that's actually literally the horizon one versus two. Like, will this actually happen in a time frame that we can reap rewards? Yeah, so that, so I think that's like that's plenty on roadmaps. But I think that it's just good advice to critically look at the roadmap when when the world changes, when your business changes, when customers' priorities changes, and buying patterns change it'd be a weird scenario if your roadmap was still perfectly accurate. right? Uh, so so just have that, have that in mind. All right. Next, you mentioned mindset. What sort of shifts would you like to see in mindsets in, in companies going through periods like this? Yeah, we kind of
1: touched on it just there. The first mindset shift, I think, is is just to rootlessly prioritize. And again, like you said, these things kind of need clarification. So on the prioritization side, yeah, a stack rank list is a start, but it's much more about the confidence in our ability to execute the thing in a reasonable time frame. Mm. Uh, And you can like play with all these variables. You can scope smaller and pull in the time frame. You can add time by deciding you need higher confidence that it's important. There's a whole bunch of things you can play with. And I think in in good times when the market's buoyant and you have more time and you have more runway and even if you need to raise again, you know that you'll raise. You you Mm. know there's plenty of people with plenty of cash looking to invest. So the pressure's off You can tend to take your time, you know, and and there isn't a ruthlessness about it. And you can do things like, you know, uh, I was going to say indulge in consensus building. And maybe indulge is a good word actually to use right now that there's like, hey, let's take our time and be thoughtful and involve everyone and make a good decision and then go execute. And I think there's a a big mindset shift required now. There's no time for that. There's Mm -hmm. no time for that. And so you, you need to move into this other mindset, which is more about winning the market than it is about expanding the market. Yeah. And you just don't have time for consensus building. you got to get ruthless.
0: Yeah, and the reason winning becomes more important than expanding is that just, just generally speaking in times like this, there's not a lot of new customers that emerge. Now, for sure, there'll be a lot of great startups, genuinely, and this isn't like Pipe or Puff or whatever, like this is true. There'll be a lot of brilliant startups started over the next year or two years, but they're not going to be dropping like five grand a month in your software anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So like uh, so generally speaking, the market tends to be a little bit static right now. And then in a couple of years time, it'll, it'll boom again as those companies come to fruition. Something else I was just saying is like a point that has to get into the mindset of folks. Oftentimes in, in good times, and this is true, I think whether you're seed or series Z or whatever, if a product or like release like slips by like a month or two months or three months or whatever, Generally speaking, that doesn't really matter because time horizons don't matter that much to you in in a sense. Like as in, it would matter if it was a year late, but like a couple of months or whatever, it doesn't matter. If you're like, the worst case scenario would be like a company who's kind of caught halfway between one round and the next or whatever, where like they really don't want to have to go out and raise in a downturn the products need to land in time not just like land like you know if we're out of money in december and the product shows up on december 1st that's not enough you know it's like it needs to land in time to actually impact the financial posture of the company and demonstrate significant growth metrics that can be either used to take you to like to extend your runway or used in a pitch deck to demonstrate like uh, additional value such that you can raise that valuation you're satisfied with but i guess like that's a really long monologue to say the timing matters more when you have less of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think like for for folks, and it really is like the ABC sort of stage startups, it's definitely like, it's not the likes of us, but like for folks who are like, we're like they're still actively measuring runway in months and they've probably seen it shrink maybe based on like some modeling they've done. All of a sudden the dates get more important because mm-hmm. we expected our product to be live so that it would get used, so that it would have such a change in our business or whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's you know feedback loops that kick in, whether it's customer feedback or like business dollars. Right. And the slower the loop, or the, the longer it takes to get the loop going, you know, yeah. the, these compound.
0: Absolutely. What about how, how a business works? How do you think about the changes that you might want to make there?
1: Yeah, I think this is a bit more practical, maybe maybe for people than than changing your mindset. It's easy for me to say, hey, you need to ruthlessly. Yeah. It's another thing to kind of think about what that means. But in here, like in terms of thinking about how you work. One kind of like analogy that comes to mind is like, you know, sailing in calm seas versus rough seas. Like we've all been sailing in calm seas whether we realize it or not, even though it didn't feel like that at times when you're in, your, in the middle of your company. But, you're, you know, sailing in, in calm seas, you can kind of like walk around the deck and help out. And, you know, we're now sailing in stormy seas. Yeah. And stormy seas means like literally all hands on deck. Uh, which yeah. is uh, that phrase is probably from sailing. Yeah. It's, so it's all hands on deck. So, what does that mean? It means blurring orgs and the boundaries between orgs. So, for example, if the thing that needs to happen is that a PM has got to go in and help sales, the PM should go in and help sales. Yeah. Right? And people can't be saying, like, oh, that's not my job. It's not my job yeah. to get on the sales call and do the demo. The sales yeah. person, you know, If that's the thing that's going to make progress, that's the thing that the team should do. And so I'm reminded of Paul Graham's article from, I think, 2013, which was do things that don't scale.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I think doing things, it's a good article for everyone to read in the midst of what's going on right now. Doing things that don't scale, optimizing yeah. for progress over sustainable process
0: yeah.
1: is, I think, the, the order of the day. Uh, you just need to think about how do we get this thing done? PMs helping sales, lots, lots yeah. of examples like that changing people's remits were necessary. Hey, you know, two months ago, I I guess like the extreme example, two months ago I hired you to do X, but like, hey, we're in stormy seas now and X is not appropriate. I need you to do Y. And so that's a two-sided thing. You know, the leaders and managers need to make the call to say, hey, let's not work on X, you got to work on Y. And then the team needs to be open-minded, flexible and say, hey, working on Y is going to be a new learning experience for me. Yeah. and a good one and through my career i'll be in calm seas and stormy seas and i'm about to learn how to sail in stormy seas
0: a thing I, I was talking to a different company about uh, during the week was just like it's more important that you get the right thing done even if it's done the wrong way by the wrong person mm-hmm. than it is you have all the right people doing all the wrong things yeah and i think sometimes companies when they cling to titles and process and all that they generally tend to focus on like all, all our ducks in a row, everyone doing exactly what they're employed to do or whatever. And like, meanwhile, there's like burning fires, but it's okay because it wasn't their job to put it out. Whereas I'm always like sort of, you know, similar to your PM example. It's like, if there's a problem, it's very tempting in CAMCs to be like, well, that sounds like that's a problem. So what we should do is go and hire a director. And over the course of the next six months, they'll come in, they'll hire their team and they'll address the problem. Yeah. And like, that's okay in a world of infinite time. And, and like, you know, assuming the problem doesn't age too badly. You just don't have that luxury right now. So, so like now is definitely a, a, a time. A related piece, like another version of the you know the PM going to help sales or the salesperson coming into PM for that matter, is like leaders doing the work at times. Uh, not like not in the micromanaging sense, but because you actually you don't have time to wait for the manager or the IC or whoever. Like if the work needs doing, get it done. Like yeah, that, absolutely. You know, and that is like a, I think a, a shift where where you know you're working in a suboptimal way. But you actually don't have the luxury of working towards optimality right now. You have the luxury towards opting, uh, working towards survival.
1: Uh, yeah, and something I'd re- I'd really encourage people to think about because again, I I don't think a lot of people might have experienced this type of challenge before, is to be extremely open minded and flexible and resilient. And so, in my experience, like over my career, most of the very best people I've worked with, and most of the very best people who went on to be brilliant leaders. They had an insane appetite for new things and were just unendingly curious. They never stopped wanting to learn. And and if they didn't know about a thing, like a part of the business, hey, how does that work? They would just go in and find out. And they'd learn and talk to people and ask them about their jobs and what they do and how it works and how it connects. And they're just forever connecting together different parts of a company and how it all all you know makes the whole. And so this, I think actually for many people will be career defining changes in their remit and they'll go and work on a thing for three months and come out the other end or longer maybe and realize you know months and years into the future that was a defining moment in my ability to be a
0: brilliant leader Phrase crucible moments i can't remember who it was but somebody has a famous phrase i'm guessing it's some venture capitalists but they, they call them crucible moments like the moments where you're literally like, you know, you can emerge stronger or weaker. And, and like, I think people who can demonstrate the resilience and the flexibility and just the creativity to like, to adapt, they'll come out such powerhouse people on the far side. Yeah. What about just outside of like the practical and tactical and how you work with your team or how your team works or whatever? How do you think about it? like more like putting on your actual CPO cap and thinking about like, how do you communicate to your your, your broader organization or maybe even the entire company? What's important there?
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, one whole area is managing morale, which I think we should get into now in a second. And managing morale is really important. But bef- before we kind of go there, what's really critical of people to realize is that, you know, if anything's true in the kind of economy we've witnessed over the last hundred years or so, it goes up and then it goes down and it goes back up again and it goes down and up and down and up. Always. everything has gone down, it's gone up again. And every has gone up, has gone back down again. And so obviously the peaks and troughs can change and the length of time can change. So we're going down now. Uh, We don't know how far we're going down. We don't know how long it will last, but it will go back up again. You have to, as a leader, think about the fact that it will go back up again. And for all the like pragmatic, hey, make sure you come out the other side alive. I think you need to think about coming out the other side, thriving and Mm -hmm. healthy. And you need to keep thinking about the vision for the company you want to be on the far side of this yeah. and, and the product you want to have on the far side of this, which, which again, back to the first thing we talked about may not be the same product that you thought you needed two yeah. months ago. And so you've got to think about that.
0: And I think like the anatomy of stuff, is, I mean, every company, like, you know, we've talked about missions and visions on the podcast before, so we don't repeat all that, but I think it's a time to remind people what one, why the broader picture matters. Like, so if you're in a project management org, you're helping people collaborate, and you're ultimately enabling creative people all over the world to realize their true potential At Intercom, we say our mission is to make Internet business personal. Stripe will increase the GDP of the internet. We know all We, we know all of the sort of the famous missions in a sense. The idea here is to like remind people that like there might be a patchy period, but what we're doing is really important. The work is really important, and we probably have a bigger job to do because of this. Mm-hmm. you know like I suspect more business will happen online I suspect we'll have a bigger job to do like uh, to serve it all so it's it's about reminding people that the, you know that the work is actually important so like yes we 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 might be in a bit more like practical tactical mode and that can generally tend to sort of narrow your time horizon a little bit to think about the short term but knowing that like you actually are playing for a bigger prize and that there is a there to get to and to communicate that to just remind people that like you know on the far side of this here's how we'll sit in our competitive landscape. Here's what our product will, the capabilities our product will have. Here's the problems in our business today that we will have solved. Here's like the the maturity we'll have gone through as a company. And like, here's the strengths that we'll be in. And and like getting people to anchor on that so that like, uh, you know, is important because, you know, the alternative is they kind of lose sight of that and become a little bit too much, like just feeling like they're on a treadmill in a sense. So, uh, So I really think like your mission and your vision matters more now than it does in good times when everything's you know, high and to the right, in a sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'd add to it is there's a sharpening opportunity right now. Yeah. You know, I think in downturns and you know, shrinking markets, you're going to learn faster whether you're good. And you're going to learn faster whether your product is there or not there and what needs to change. Yeah. And customers of yours would probably get more opinionated and have stronger opinions, or they'll get to the stronger opinions to, for you faster. And so there's an opportunity right in front of everyone here to get into the sharpening of the vision for the time when this
0: ends. Let's close out on morale. Yeah. How do you manage for individual morale? You know, aside from setting a great mission and a vision, like I mean, what are the things that you think product managers or, or product managers should be doing?
1: This is actually an interesting thing because, you know, obviously the things a lot of people are experiencing are uh, new and not necessarily uh, happy times but I, I actually think there's an upbeat very upbeat ending to this podcast to be honest and i'm not just saying that i'll end up being no i genuinely think there's a really great opportunity here so for example you know, there's a phrase, a phrase that goes something like what doesn't kill you will make you stronger yeah and there's another phrase you know if you are or, or at least if you talk to or read autobiographies of like people in sport or other areas of life where they are like the best, like the best teams in the world, the best people in the world at what they do, they will all say a version of, hey, our team, our world-beating team was formed mm-hmm. in defeat. It wasn't formed when we won. Yeah. Like, winning together is easy. It's good times. But, you know, the, the best teams form when you're losing and you have to look yeah. each other in the eye and say, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. we are in the trenches together. We're in this together. There's a survival instinct. And I actually... I don't like the fact that you're kind of down in the trenches or whatever, but I do like the opportunity it presents to form the best possible teams you can. Yeah. And so I think that's like an opportunity that, that the people should really embrace because the, the reality isn't changing. So let's yeah. embrace the opportunity it presents. And then for people who, who aren't in leadership positions, I think it's really important to assume the best intent from the leaders. You know, the leaders yeah. are literally trying to keep the company healthy and uh, making sure you come out stronger. And for, I think most companies, they really do have the best intent. And I think people need to assume the best intent and stay positive and not get cynical. And like, that's really, really important.
0: Well, uh, I'd say also along with assuming that's like share what you see as well. Like sometimes like the uh, folks like closer to the wire, closer to the customers, closer to the product, they just see more opportunity, they see more edge cases, they see more like bugs in the in the strategy or whatever. And I think it's really important that like, yeah, you, you know, it, it's both possible that you can assume your manager has the best intent, but you can also still believe that they're wrong and, and tell them what, what they're not getting or whatever. I think like it's like really healthy information flow is important. Much like you would say, um, everyone should be open minded and in, in the roles they take. I think like, you know, it's definitely a time where managers need to be more willing to like to, to listen to what's going on in the front line as well. Just to make sure, like, there's absolute perfect information flow.
1: 100%. And even just get down there themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, and like, see it directly observe what's happening and what other people are saying and try and help out. Uh, that's, again, a blurring the boundaries thing isn't just yeah. from org to org, but it's also yeah.
0: like Zoom hierarchy, line. too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's try wrap this up. I guess. Like the main thing I, I'd say yeah. just from my experience of all this like you can and will get through this as long as you're willing to like stare it openly and honestly and make changes like changes like you know cancelling a roadmap item or something like that like, like they can be painful they can be annoying they can be like messy conversations for a lot of folks it'll be a new challenge and a new muscle to grow but genuinely like people teams and companies emerge stronger and sharper and more experienced even though this sucks and obviously we wish them the best. What will we talk about next week, Paul? How about something much more on form? Jobs to be done version two. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, Yeah, perfect. perfect. Okay, that has been Intercom on Product episode 17. Thank you all for listening. Take care. This is Intercom on Product.